for tis a question left us yet to prove whether love lead fortune or else fortune love great man down you mark his favourite flies the poor advanced make friends of enemies and hitherto doth love on fortune tend for who not needs shall never lack a friend and who in want a hollow friend doth try directly seasons him his enemy I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 8, The Great Man Down. A stabbing near the palace gates has left Simon barely clinging to life, with the attacker's identity a mystery. After discovering a playing card cufflink in the Queen's bed, Eleanor becomes suspicious of Jasper and has him arrested. Cyrus conscripts Holloway into providing him with an alibi. Liam prepares to temporarily take power as the Prince Regent, but at his swearing-in ceremony, Cyrus reveals a shocking secret. Oh man, so the proverbial shit has finally hit the fan. Yeah, to quote last episode, yeah, well, that shit, shit just, just got, got real. real. <laughs> yes, we rehearsed that. No, we didn't. Uh, so yeah, this is a big one because we're dealing with the fallout of the big twist at the end of last episode. That yes. Simon has been very grievously wounded. Very dramatic. Uh, pretty much uh, maybe the most cliffhangery ending the show has done so far this season. I would say so. Mm-hmm. It ends with him collapsing on the steps, which, I mean, I talked about it last week, but I just thought that that whole sequence at the end of last episode was great. So that launches us right into some super, I mean, it's dramatic. It's kind of an interesting style choice for the show. Uh it might be the first time we're thrown in like in media ray because they show Liam taking the oath, like being sworn in as king. I don't know what they call it in English. Yeah. I'm using, I'm, I mean, I was going to say American the terms. oath of office, but that's definitely not. That's, that's not it. Definitely it, not it. It's overlaid with footage of light bulbs of swinging back and forth in yes. the tunnel that they're in. Um, and it's just like dramatic music is playing and he's like making all these promises to serve his country with honor. The inner cutting, it's a rare thing for this show. They don't usually go and do that kind of flashy stuff, I feel like. It's pretty straightforward usually, but... This was also... I think this was the first time where, like, we've seen something that happens later in the plot and then we flash to earlier. Because they don't establish that, but this doesn't... This oath swearing in doesn't actually happen until towards the end of the episode. Very near the end of the episode, yeah. And this is another one like the last one that is heavy on the drama. Not so much with the jokes. Maribel and Penelope are not getting the scripts. Late in the no. season here. No, I kind of miss them. I do. But uh, no, I, I find myself being more drawn to the drama elements of the show than I had initially anticipated when we like went on this podcasting endeavor with little forethought. <laughs> I think um, this idea was hatched prior to the conclusion of the first season even. Yes. Is that accurate? Yeah. So maybe... We'll have to check in with, with uh, Darren who was the the brain behind this idea and he's also the one who puts together our episodes but yeah i think so if, if memory serves it just took us a while to get the 
plane off the runway, so to mm-hmm. speak. But the Royals never has a problem just diving right in with no. things and making them happen. So everyone's being rushed down through the tunnels into this safe room. Yes. Like secret bunker type thing by Panic Ted. kind of area, yeah. And assorted bodyguards. Everyone's, you know, walking down all intense except for Eleanor who's, who's getting carried around by quote unquote Hagrid. Lurch. Yeah. Gog Magog or whatever it yeah, was whatever in the last episode. Her, her, her giant yeah, bodyguard who's BFG, very obviously whatever you want to call yeah, him. who's very obviously wearing a fake unibrow that I appreciate. It's the attention to details that really make a show. You know how it is. Absolutely. It's a quick little intro where you hear the oath of office. Everybody runs to the panic room and then they cut to the royal sign. There's a little background sound of like doors clanking shut which is a thing we always note when that happens. That happens under the title card. It doesn't happen every episode. A lot of times underneath the title card, they'll play a sound effect that kind of goes with the theme of the episode or with whatever is happening. I think there was one of like... uh, Maribel or Penelope like moaning as she put drugs up, up her, her yeah, exactly. anus mm-hmm. one That is one. I never know how to talk about these things. Um, but yeah, like we said, no, shockingly no Maribel and Penelope while the country is in a state of panic. Yeah, they were not invited to the panic room. They're not important enough. They're not important enough, first of all, but it's also because their reactions to Robert's death were so wildly inappropriate. And speaking of wildly inappropriate reactions, oh God, Mm -hmm. the levels probably just went crazy because I freaked out, but I was freaking out while I was rewatching the episode today. Queen Helena's reaction to the news that Simon, her husband, has been stabbed. It's like her face doesn't change at all. I can understand her being like stoic as she often talks about needing to be for the nation. I can even understand her being in shock, but her face doesn't change at all. Like she doesn't betray surprise. She doesn't betray amazement. It's like there's not even a flicker. I don't know if this is an acting choice, if it's supposed to play into the plot later on, if it points a finger at her as potentially being a guilty party in this whole stabbing. I mean, it could be Elizabeth Hurley's limited range. I mean, I wouldn't be, but it's also, she has to be considering Simon as something of a threat to her livelihood at this point, especially considering earlier that day, he was like, hey, we're straight (laughs) up getting divorced and you're getting nothing. I loved how in the previously on, they showed the shot of Simon smooshing Cyrus's cheeks. I might make that my desktop background Mm. because it is that important to me. But she does that thing that she did when Robert died and starts applying makeup while her poor children have human reactions. Even Cyrus is in the background kind of white in the face and sweaty and being like, what's going on? Helena isn't even, it doesn't even seem like she's asking questions. It's it's very, very bizarre. Like the scene just struck me as She's weird. by far the least emotive person in the room during this scene, which is actually a pretty long opening scene. I think it's about 10 minutes. It's sort of like a, a chamber drama in yeah. the scene because everyone's trapped in the room and characters who normally don't interact like Cyrus and Ophelia have tons of dialogue Cyrus together. Cyrus and Ophelia have a few interactions this time. Cyrus is especially nasty to her. <laughs> Ophelia gets ushered in by Marcus, who's like, it's obviously protocol to bring the Prince Regent's girlfriend here during a time when the palace might be under attack and once again just like last week with the paparazzi scandal everyone including ted is like yeah why ophelia doesn't need a security detail why was ted not upset about that like i cannot comprehend why ted would be upset that marcus was trying to protect her daughter his daughter (laughs) 
<laughs> at a, at a it's baffling. It it's is, so I, uh, weird. I can't understand it. It doesn't make any it. sense. I mean, Ed acts like Ophelia being around the royalty is always the most dangerous option, even when it involves there being many armed security forces surrounding them. But hey, he learned the hard lesson with his wife, apparently, and does not want to repeat that mistake. He hates her relationship with Liam so much that he would rather she die than be with him. <laughs> I mean, um, that's the only thing that makes sense because they bring Ophelia down here and obviously Helena is like, what's she doing here? And Liam and Ophelia embrace. And Eleanor, honestly, is the only one whose reaction I related to. She's crying. She's like, when can we see him? What's going on? Et cetera, et cetera. I feel like that's how everyone should be. I know that Eleanor and her dad were close, but they're acting like, oh, Eleanor and her overreactions. Her father's been stabbed, but calm down. Cyrus is just, like, sweating and sulking and kind of drunk, maybe. He looks like he's going through, like, heroin withdrawal or something. Oh, he's yeah. Just he, really like, throws up in the sink at one point. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's like a Tracy Let's Play in there. Which I think is supposed to be, like, maybe a red herring or at least an indication that he might be guilty. He might be, like, nervous about the fact that he just stabbed his brother. Um, at least I think that's maybe what they were intending with that. This is one of those things where I think... Pretty much everyone who watched the show kind of has the same opinion, at least from the people I've talked to, the few people who watch along with us who I've talked to, is that they give so many clues that it was Cyrus that it couldn't possibly be Cyrus. I think that's fair. I kind of still hope it is. I but... know, me too. But you know, that's because in part, I'm still hoping it turns out to be Hamlet and we do kind of have a Gertrude Claudius thing that we'll get to talk about at the very end of the episode. If there's a big reveal of the murderer, who do you want to go full on villain more than Cyrus when his evil plots are found out? Like, there's no one who's going to be as satisfying to like no, it's see unravel like their villainous unraveling. It's one of those things where like, everyone's a suspect, except not really because no. the camera showed us that Obviously, Liam and Ophelia were together, and who was going to suspect those milquetoast babies to have killed him in the first place? And Eleanor was also clearly in her room, like, having her, you know, sort of... Her spray paint meltdown. Yes, her meltdown, yeah. <laughs> like, you're gesturing spray painting, but our listeners can't see that. <laughs> they try to blame Liam and o Eleanor. Like, I think maybe they try to make it suspenseful, but there's a moment where Cyrus is, like, kind of accusing... Liam and Eleanor, and it's like, yeah, well, it's that's not so going to work weak. on the audience. Like, the audience knows no. that even they their, didn't do it. Yeah, even, even at their lowest moments, they were so close with their dad. Like, both of them were just so devoted to him and, like, held him up as pretty much being a paragon of virtue. Here's my question. Um, from the viewer's perspective, not from the perspective of the people in the panic room, does Ted have an alibi? Because... He was vining. What would your mother think of you now, Ophelia? What would your mother think of you now? Over and over and over again. And then Ophelia walks out of the room, looks out the window, and we see Cyrus leave. And then moments later, the king is stabbed. So does, from a viewer's perspective, do we think Ted has an alibi of being in his house with Ophelia? There's nothing to imply that he doesn't, but... I mean, theoretically, Ophelia would have gone back into the room with him after seeing Cyrus. I don't know for sure. It could play either way, I guess. Like, they can do what they want with that. It's just a thought going forward, because like I said, they're sort of trying to do a everyone's a suspect thing, and like, of course, everyone in the panic room is pointing fingers at each other. Before Ophelia came in and blanded everything up, I did like that there was a moment where the twins kind of went to each other and embraced... 
I mean, like I said, they were the only ones having anything even close to the reaction you would have if you're if you found out your father had been stabbed i feel like i would be like collapsed on the ground like weeping <laughs> basically but hysterical kind of, yeah exactly but no one has that reaction i mean i know there have been assassination attempts on simon's life before but it's just weird for reasons that boggle the mind no who would want to kill simon so desperately I don't know. I don't know. Like, even as a political figure, it's almost like he's... Pointless, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. I really want to talk about Cyrus and Ophelia in the panic room because Cyrus, they're talking about, you know, should or should not Ophelia have a security detail? Obviously, the answer is yes, she should. And Cyrus, unprovoked, says, like take care of your bitch she's the only one you That's have left before that he, before that he says what does it matter if liam's whore of the hour <gasps> is here i believe You're right oh and then God. and then i actually wrote it down silence the only bitch you have left or i'll do it myself is what he says to ted specifically and then the music cuts out as ted immediately cocks a gun at cyrus's head like with his arm fully extended like not very just for that but also because they were like asking questions about why cyrus was there when first before liam even arrived even though liam yeah, would have been the priority the as the prince regent so there's some suspicious that maybe cyrus is guilty um but i think certainly calling his daughter a bitch probably didn't help the situation and a whore okay i think part of the thing that these insults about ophelia being like a slut or a whore is that we didn't really see liam's party boy ways ever on the show because in the first scene of the first episode he gets together with ophelia at that tournament where the most bad boy thing he's doing is playing darts well yeah so the whole in the show they often talk about like oh Liam the playboy prince yeah da, 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 da. but we've only seen him be like a devoted boyfriend who wears like polo shirts and khakis. I mean he had that minute where he was off with I don't like Gemma and that weird model who was in one episode who Gemma was like oh oh yeah she was like Tiara that was her yeah, name Tiara he sleeps with Tiara sometimes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, I think, that I just think that's part of the reason why these insults against Ophelia seem so harsh. If it were like, okay, let's imagine we're Eleanor in the situation. First of all, there's a sexism issue here where no one would be calling her boyfriends her whore of the hour. But if Eleanor later on were to get like a very steady, bland boyfriend and people were being like, oh, she's just going to dump him in three days, we would all have more understanding than we do with Liam, where it seems like he's obsessed with Ophelia. My girl, my girl. And not only that, not only those two, but later Cyrus, he leans really uh, heavily on the anti-woman slurs in this against Ophelia, because later he calls her a slut as well, I believe, in a later scene. Well, he hates women. I feel like that's been established. Even though he's bisexual, like, it's not just yeah. like he is only attracted to men. Like, I wouldn't argue that he respects Helena. I think they have, like, an understanding, understanding. but yeah. I don't think he admires her necessarily so the gun is pointed at cyrus <laughs> and helena has a nice little speech about chekhov's gun for all the time we spent talking about chekhov's bow and arrow on this show i mean there's a lot of throwbacks in this scene because she basically recites her limousine speech from robert's death about how like when you go out there the world will be very different and i'm just putting on a brave face for um, the public. I'm very suspicious of her. I'm very, very suspicious. This isn't a spoiler because we have no confirmation one way or another. I'm just saying 
she is shady as hell in this whole yeah. thing. And Liam is like basically begging her to, if if not to comfort him, then to give some sort of word of comfort to his sister because she's the one who is really, everyone says she's melting down and is going to like make them look bad when really she's just like lightly crying silently because yeah. her father was stabbed. I felt so much sympathy for Eleanor in this episode more than I have in several. There is even a scene later where, but Liam says that Eleanor has been a mess in the fallout and I'm like she has been reacting perfectly naturally she's actually arguably been acting better than she usually does because we don't see her use drugs or alcohol or sex eventually Ted puts down the gun because Helen is like if you're gonna point a gun at him you better fire it that's the Chekhov's gun speech. <laughs> I think that actually might be a, a good Helena line that that one's pretty good and Eleanor runs into the tunnel with Jasper for a second and she kind of does a Lady Macbeth thing where she's rubbing the paint She's got the red paint all over her hands still. Yeah. And she's kind of rubbing it off. I don't know where Jasper came from, by the way, because he was on leave. You're right. I was like, he's a bodyguard. They were all rushing around picking but last up episode, everyone. So they made it clear, like, oh, he's on leave for X amount of time. But I guess he got back right when the king was stabbed. So the running motif of Jasper and Eleanor this episode, and we'll get into it a little bit more in a scene that they have later on, is, well, someday you're going to have to trust somebody. It's like... Okay, so of yes. all the people you could trust, by all the means, trust the man who sexually blackmailed you slash raped you, question mark? Like, Jasper and Cyrus would be the two worst possible people she could trust, <laughs> I would imagine. She would be better off trusting Helena. Because at so the too. end of the day, I don't think Helena would literally murder her. And that's no. more than I can say for potentially Cyrus or Jasper. Yeah. I mean, at least we learn later on that Liam and Eleanor both understand that they can't trust their mother, which is probably the smartest thing these two have ever come up with, is that, like, we need to not let her know that we're on to her shady dealings. Essentially, uh, the panic room scene winds down with like the palace becoming secure we spent a while on this one but it is essentially like the first fourth of the episode is these people like they're blaming one another tensions are high almost every character is in the room in the same it room which is very up. rare in yeah this it's show. fun i liked that i actually really liked to see everyone interact like even getting marcus and stuff in the mix was great uh -huh. although i don't understand why ted treats him like he's a piece of shit when marcus is Arguably the smartest character on the show. That's possible. Yeah, he may well be. But it's very important to note that Ophelia actually says that she's kind of the one to jump in with the accusations when she says, Cyrus, I saw you sneaking out right yeah. before the king was stabbed. She says it in front of everyone and like addresses him directly and calls him out. And she also, I forget why, but she calls Helena a bitch to her face in front of everyone. She's like, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> Like you talk to the queen, you know. I can't remember why she does that either, but... Um, there were plenty of good reasons. I'm sure she was... Everybody yeah. was accusing everybody of everything. You're right. He's the rare combination of competent and moral that very few <laughs> characters on this show... Like, that's not an intersection many characters on this show cross. Honestly, I'm racking my brains to think of someone else who can join Marcus in the competent and moral thing, and it... 
the only other one I can think of might be Simon. And unfortunately, he is yeah. in, we're told that he's in surgery, but obviously his condition is extremely, extremely critical. Doctors like, are surprised he's even still alive, is what they yeah, say. Yeah, hovering between life and death. So so the next, the next scene is, is basically Helena trying to get their affairs in order with Rachel. Who's wearing like yoga pants and a t-shirt. Well, she probably got called in like from her day off because king stabbing. Lucius was wearing a suit, first Lucius of all. And second of all, we all know that on her days off, Rachel is wearing leather oh, dominatrix outfits. <laughs> Maybe underneath the the yoga pants and like the... This was a jaw-dropping moment to me. So Lucius and Rachel are helping Helena get everything in order with the press and talking to the people, etc., etc. And eventually Rachel leaves to go, you know, run some sort of errand to take care of something. And Lucius and Helena sit down. And I mean, these two are confidants. Yeah. Maybe even more so than... Helena and Rachel, but still, this was a moment to me that went beyond the beyonds. Lucius says that Simon brought this upon himself. That's a direct quote by threatening to overthrow the monarchy. And I was like, even if Helena did not agree with Simon's choice to put forth the referendum, to tell a woman that her husband deserved to get stabbed, that he brought it upon himself, and also it's the king, so that's basically treason. Yeah. Yeah. That was a breathtaking moment. Like, even Lucius being as slimy as he is, I was stunned that he had the balls to say that. Yeah, the, he does know Helena very well. And as we discussed, she had almost no reaction to her husband being stabbed. So maybe he knew that her reaction to that would be almost none at all, just because he knows her that well. Well, he must know her very well, because that would still be a huge gamble. I mean, even if it were a situation where she had somehow been involved in the stabbing, she could have just as easily had a guilty conscience and bitten his head off for saying that. Well, Whatever. she seems <laughs> fine with it, because she's like... She gives him a nice pat on the back before he leaves in spite of all of that. God, he's a weird fucking character, but I'm glad to say he'll be around for a while longer. So we'll have plenty of Lucius to talk about. There's a quick chat between Helena and Liam after this where she like is kind of reassuring him, but also being like, you're Prince Regent now. You've got to act like very regal and put together. She's been saying that the whole time he was Prince. It's like, yeah, 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 mom. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just like her typical... Yeah. typical nagging except this time she's doing it in like a very gentle but also like eerily calm voice right eleanor is left to fend for herself she gets back to her room and like overturns a coffee table and that's all we see her freaking out and everyone's like eleanor's falling apart she cries in a chair and tips over a coffee table and that's 100 percent it and then jasper uh enters the room and informs her that he is on hospital duty uh to watch over her father and offers to take her via the tunnels to the hospital. I guess the tunnels have a direct line to the hospital, which seems... It seems possible to me that there could be a secret route to a, to a clinic of some kind, to some yeah. sort of private, private medical that center. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be like it wouldn't be like a general hospital, so to speak. And I think it's interesting. I think what the show might be trying to do, and this is pure conjecture on my, on my part, is that when he uses his American accent, he's telling the truth. It seems pretty certain at already at this point in the show, even more so later, that the backstory about him being from Las Vegas is the correct one. Yes. It's just something I picked up on because like you said, and I mean, he talks about a character named uh, Mandy in his 
American backstory, and mm-hmm. later on, uh, an American girl named Mandy enters the story. So this is just this is just my wild hair about uh, about Jasper. Right. Ted sees them moving through the tunnels on the security cameras and is like, "What are you doing? You're not allowed to do that." And I think Jasper says, "Like you can find me later." I'm like, "This isn't about a fine." I mean, I would imagine he would be fired from his position at the very exactly. least. Exactly. I mean. Because at this point, everyone is a suspect. Like, they could be like, take him down for taking for the sure, princess yeah. I mean, out there's of no reason for the them palace to without permission. Like, is he cleared as a potential? Ted is the worst at his job. Ted knows that he lied on his backstory. He does. Like, everyone deserves a second chance. So when he sees shit like this going down, I'm like, how are you surprised? You're what? Talk about wildly incompetent. Oh, uh, yeah. Hel- everyone always gets mad at Helena for being like, Ted sucks at his job and yeah she's usually a a huge bitch about it and evokes his dead wife unnecessarily but actually he's terrible at his job and he's terrible being a father again that crossroads of competent and moral he really falls short especially on the competency (laughs) side i would say but they do get to the hospital and she gets to be by her father's bedside and you know she's crying over him and she says i'll do better and it's such a great scene and it's such a great moment I wish it had any bearing on the plot after this point. I would have loved that if it had been like, oh, this is a turning point in Eleanor's life. We've seen her partying all season, and then this happens to the her, her champion. Her dad, you know, now that Robert's gone, her dad is like pretty much the number one person who supports her. But yeah. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that her partying ways do not change at all after this. At all. Yeah. It's disappointing. Eleanor, despite having the most natural and normal human reaction to the situation and actually having a few good moments, is pretty ancillary to the plot of this episode. Yeah, she's pretty much there to provide the emotion because no one else is. Yeah. But this marks the second time in the series run that a royal nudity scandal was kicked off the front pages by tragedy, which I find very Yeah, like instantly. The That's first true. being Eleanor's crotch shot at the club in the very first episode, which was immediately pushed off the front page by Robert's death. Eleanor was wearing the same dress in the Royal Beaver, the infamous Royal Beaver tabloid cover that she was when she found out her brother had died. That silver dress. Like, it happened in such quick succession that she doesn't even have time to change costumes. Yeah, very next, early the next morning they found out. Um, the next scene is kind of an interesting one. Cyrus meets with uh, the fella he's been blackmailing, Holloway, in the panic room. Um, because uh, it's uh, the... uh, 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 Call it the safe room. The safe room. Because that will come up later in the scene. The safe room. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, okay. In the safe room. <laughs> That's not the line I wrote down, but I know which one you're talking about. Good, because I have it committed to memory. And this is the guy who last week said, his name's Holloway, that he no longer wanted to be... He's no longer going to put up with Cyrus's shit. Like, he was out. He was done. He was out in, in more ways anymore. than one, was the line, specifically. I guess this guy went ahead and threw his wife and family away and came out. Because well, that's the only... If we've okay. learned one thing from the royals, it's that very few people care about their family at all <laughs> in this show. That's true. So, small sacrifice, apparently. And uh, Cyrus is like, you've got to be my alibi for this whole my brother been stabbed thing. Uh, they don't make it particularly clear if he was actually with this guy last night. He wasn't. He wasn't. So Holloway asked 
but where were you actually? And Cyrus says, I was with you. But uh-huh. it's clear that Holloway is like frustrated, upset, disgusted. He wasn't, they weren't actually together. I think I know the line that you wrote down, though, if it's not the line that I'm thinking of. Well, Holloway says, <laughs> Holloway says, um, I'm not going to lie for you anymore. To which Cyrus responds, You did a line of coke off my dick last week. Don't get sanctimonious, you flimsy bastard. Which is quite a line. That one needs to go down in the Cyrus Hall of Fame. Because punctuating it with flimsy bastard just really drives that imagery home. Uh, Yeah, and not only that, but that seems, I'm not going to lie, logistically really difficult to me. Uh, That was my first thought at that particular line. But I have no firsthand experience, but I'm thinking about the geometry of the situation, and I'm going to say that I agree with you. Yeah, I do not think. <laughs> I, I also don't have firsthand experience, but sure. it strikes me <laughs> as uh, potentially problematic just to, from an engineering standpoint, primarily. What I thought of, and the reason why I pedantically insisted that you caught the safe room is... Mm-hmm. As Holloway is leaving, Cyrus says, care to use your safe words in the safe room? Mm. And Holloway gives him this look like, you cheeky bastard, and turns around and comes back in the room, implying that just hours after Simon's stabbing, they had sex with each other in the bunker. Which I assume has cameras in it, I guess. (gasps) There's cameras in the tunnel. I don't know if there's cameras in the safe room, but you would think that Ted would be able to see Holloway coming and going. I mean, it would be a pretty pathetic safe Holloway, room. Holloway, ha ha, Holloway coming and going. Great, right, right. <laughs> Yes. I'm I don't first... even feel, I don't even feel bad making that joke because Holloway exists on the show to be like the person Cyrus makes sex jokes at. And I'm going to be honest with you, that safe word, safe room line... Mm, not great. That's a groaner. Definitely not as good about the one as being a flimsy bastard. I can't imagine there wouldn't be cameras in the safe room. Like, what's the point of a safe room if it's not as secure as possible? I guess if the entire royal family and all the important people were in the safe room, it might be an issue of, like, security privacy. Like, someone could be at an exterior monitor and you wouldn't want them to see who Mm. was in the safe room or what was being said or what was going on. So I guess the royals has plot holes you guys i'm sorry to draw back the curtain and show you know the man working the wizard of oz's face but a lot of times zach and i explain stuff away with probably more care and detail than the writers writers got into it but i'll just say that didn't strike me as a huge plot hole just because i could see there being a situation where it's like when you get to the inner sanctum of the inner sanctum it's not allowed to have cameras i think they already made out in the tunnels before that so uh following that Uh, Helena makes her public address to the people, revealing the situation to the public. I actually think she went with a slightly classier move than Simon did on his because he had a super cheap looking backdrop. It was like a really cloudy looking like parliament. It was not good. She just did the classy like the thing like the president does where he's sitting at his desk and it's like... It's going to address yeah. the people from my desk. Much better. But also, like, Simon was basically dropping his diss track. Like, his speech, Helena's speech is like, you know, she didn't say we're asking for your prayers, but, you know, that's kind of implied. Like, keep the king in your thoughts. He's fighting mm-hmm. for his life. He loves you all. We love him, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of her classiest moments for sure, which is good because it's about to be followed by some of her unclassiest moments. Um, And 
Simon was like, my family are zoo animals. And then he just dropped the mic. So that's part of the difference in their addresses. Um, it's a pretty straightforward little public address, though. It's got some super dramatic music bedded under it. but Oh, my God. I wanted to say uh, the antlers was playing in the safe room scene. One of the songs from Hospice, which is a concept album. I don't know if you're familiar with the antlers at all, but Hospice is a concept album about a like hospice nurse who falls in love with his patient who's dying of cancer. And it is the saddest album maybe of all time. So I actually found myself like welling up with tears at inappropriate moments during the safe room scene because they're playing this song. And I know the actual story of the song, which is about like leukemia. And I was so, so, so sad. So, you know, we talk a lot about the Royals music cues and how they're always super on the nose. This was one of those rare moments where it actually really got to me. Like there's a line in the song. They told me there was no saving you. And I'm like, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well played. The Royals, well played. Well, they uh, they have great music taste. They know about M83, obviously. <laughs> uh, Eleanor gets kind of kicked out of her father's uh, room um, while standing at his bedside because I guess Helena needs to tell Liam again that he needs to be regal. And she goes back to the palace and she and Jasper have a little, have a little scene back in her room probably the first time she's done something intelligent in terms of their relationship and maybe the entire series it made me so angry like yelling at the screen angry i think that this scene is meant to be played for romance not for just sex but for romance he's like i miss you he's doing this whole you need to trust someone sometime mm -hmm. thing he has his arm around her from behind at one point and like his face in her hair and like it's definitely being played as like yeah, there's no other way to put it. Like, a love scene. Not a sex scene, a love scene. Yeah. Here's my beef with that. All of Jasper and Eleanor's sordid history aside, to put this on an ex-lover slash this person you've had this tumultuous relationship with, when her father is hovering between life and death, is so uncool, it's so inappropriate and manipulative and not even remotely okay. I mean, no. No matter what the circumstances are, to be trying to reconnect with an ex when they're having an emotionally vulnerable moment because an immediate family member is in critical condition... No, no. Everything about Jasper up to this point aside, I mean, it makes it worse. But just that he would have the gall to try and make this about him, about him during her suffering. I was so furious, but luckily she hits the panic button and people tackle him to the ground. So that was cool. I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily out of character for him to be emotionally and sexually manipulative. In fact, I would say that is perhaps his defining trait so far. I think we're meant to think he's sincere when he says I that he so has too. feelings for her, but it's just like yeah. he has no concept of what is healthy for his person he wants to be with. The writers clearly want this relationship to become romantic in nature, but the point from which they've chosen to start it, not to mention some of the beats along the way, are just so intensely unforgivable. Yeah, it's like a house like, built on sand. Yeah, it's just you can't you can't do it. Like they started from a place that is 
unforgivable. Ugh. She has the cufflink. She eventually found the cufflink from the last episode in her mother's bed. Um, and the fact that she now uh, has reason to believe that he is sleeping with the queen makes her consider the fact that he might have stabbed the king. She hits her panic button and like 40 dudes with large guns come in and tell him to get on the ground. And then force him to the ground, which was my favorite part. And he looks so surprised. It was almost funny. He's like, what? Um, so that was great. I can actually figure out how she found it because we see – they don't show us her finding it. But in the last episode, we saw the cufflink on the ground next to her bare feet. So you almost have to assume that she stepped on it with her bare feet and found it. You know, she first of all, she's not wrong. I don't know that they've had sex multiple times, but they had – at least cunnilingus at least once and yeah she probably should have hit the panic button on this guy when she woke up to him and he said i raped you i mean i'm paraphrasing but barely but they act like it's an act of romantic revenge for having slept with her mother i mean i think she does sincerely believe that he might have stabbed the king but they act like the real slight is that you slept with someone else she even says to her mother later she had jasper arrested and helena says for stabbing the king and she says for screwing the queen so they still they do seem to put the emphasis on that aspect of it more so helena doesn't even have the decency to act slightly ashamed for cheating on her husband that's one Right. With a member of the staff, that's two, who she also knew, she seems to have known was romantically involved, in at least in some way, with her daughter. She's like, I was just, I was just protecting you from him. You, like, you should have known better, blah, blah, blah. And, like, puts it all back on Eleanor. She's the worst mother alive. She makes Lucille Bluth seem warm and fuzzy. To make matters worse in that particular scene, Liam actually comes in and for the first time in the entire series, starts to take Helena's side. Very, yeah, very cruelly, too. Um, this is when he says that Eleanor has been a mess during the entire reaction and that their mother has been the only steady one. Because she's a sociopath. Yes, she feels nothing. Fortunately, that's not particularly long-lived, that side of Liam, because Eleanor retreats back to her room, upset, and he in follows tears. her in. And uh, he immediately reveals to her that he's just trying to keep Helena on his side, so that he can keep an eye on her because I think he, I mean, he just doesn't trust her in the slightest with good reason. He says they shouldn't trust her. He says they shouldn't let her know that they don't trust her because she might turn on them, which is a 100% good idea. I mean, it'd be like a hamster eating its own babies. She would totally yeah. do it. She would take them down if she had to. And I mean, we'll get to that. But um, also he reveals to her, I mean, it seems to me, at least the implication was that if he can get to the throne, he will let the referendum, the voting of the referendum go through. So yeah. he's trying to block Helena and Cyrus from, you know, keeping their father's wishes from, from being yeah, able turning. to happen, being able to move through. But I love that he's like a coy little bitch about it in this scene. Like he comes in, he's all about like winking with both eyes. He's like, aren't I a smarty little smarty pants for coming up with my plan? I tricked you. I tricked you. So uh, he seems like delighted with himself in that scene. It was kind of funny. And they have a nice little moment. But yeah, he does tell her like he asks her if she is still on board with pushing the anti-monarchy referendum through. And she seems perfectly happy with it. There is one other scene before the big swearing-in ceremony. Ophelia is in, I guess, Cyrus's office? I don't really know what it is. 
It's Why would not Cyrus a, need an office? I don't know, but it was some room that had paperwork on the there. The only thing he needs is like a sex dungeon. That's how he yeah. gets his work done. Right, yeah, I don't know. But it's some room that's well lit, so I don't think it's where he gets most of... He doesn't spend much time there. How dare you How dare you forget so soon? Remember his extremely well lit stripper party? Oh, right, yes. <laughs> he prefers his sexual we dalliances that. well lit. I forgot. This is the point where he comes around and he goes like 100% Disney villain in this scene. He calls her a slut in this scene. I don't remember the context of that exactly. There is none. She's not a slut. I mean, I don't use that word for any women because women should be allowed to be as sexually liberated as men, obviously. But let's say we are using the traditional use of that word like Ophelia didn't even kiss Nick. She's pretty much just had a relationship with Liam during the course of this series. <laughs> um, but... After that, when he's leaving, she's like, why can't you just be nice? And he has this whole monologue about how specific... I wrote it down because it's so ridiculous. Nice is for the simple and the ignorant who muddle their way through life saying that big break is just around the corner and love is coming. It's not and it isn't. And then he tells her not to cry wolf in case the real wolf ever comes to her door. For when the real wolf is at the door. I mean, he is so good, and his lines are so much better than everyone else's. Like, I just love him so much. There's no way around it. Everything he says is completely ridiculous. In this episode, perhaps more than any other, if he had, you know, you would think that his strategy would be to... I'm going to act totally horrified by my brother's death. I'm going to be as nice to everyone as possible, especially Ophelia, because she's the one who's like the eyewitness to his sneaking out. But he goes in the other direction <laughs> and attacks everyone. I think everyone. He, no I'll one is he, safe. I'll bet he thought that for a second and he was just like, fuck it. No one is yeah. going to buy that. <laughs> Not for a minute. Will they think that's real? It'll oh, just make wow. him look. You know what? If I were related to this guy and I knew him my whole life. And then the stabbing happened and he acted super concerned. I would be more suspicious than if he just kept on being a terrible asshole all the time. I guess that's true. It's just very bizarre how he goes into like full attack mode. I don't know. I don't know. It almost, you're right. It almost might prove his innocence though. Because I could also see like, let's extrapolate because why not? We have a podcast. Uh, he could be genuinely thinking that someone in his inner circle stabbed his brother and that could not just could he be on some level genuinely upset about maybe the one person who's sometimes nice to him getting attacked but that puts a target on his back if someone is after members of the royal family who are in succession because now he's moved from being number three to number two uh well technically he moved i think from being number number four, oh, number four. to number three yeah number four to number three um but uh not for particularly long He's about um, to leapfrog that shit. Yeah. Um, so uh, the it is the day of the big swearing-in ceremony. Um, I don't really understand. This is something I don't quite understand because Ophelia's there, like, trying to give Robert advice, or Liam advice before he Whoa! goes. Whoa! If Liam had heard that slip of the tongue, it would have devastated him. Yeah. Well, uh, um, the reason I mentioned it. a fictional character, so... <laughs> The reason I mentioned it is because, so she, at this point, like, this is how many days since they started dating? Like three. Yeah. And how many days has it been since Robert died? Because I feel like it's been 
a couple weeks, maybe? There was more time in between episodes earlier in the series, I think. It seems super, super quick, but maybe, because I mean... There's, there's a jump between when Robert dies and the garden party, which is episode two, because it's their first event since he died, but I think we're meant to infer it's been at least a couple of weeks in between that time. So let's, let's be very generous and say it's been a few months since Robert died. Okay. Maybe four months. still pretty, that's still a pretty intense... Like but I'm being really span. liberal with the timeline here. For two royals to die in a three or four month period is very intense, I'm going to say. Based on the freakout around the arrival of the various royal babies, uh, yeah. Prince George and Prince Charlotte, who I adore, I'm going to say if two royals were killed in that quick of succession, the country would be in a panic. Whether you're a monarchist or you're anti-monarchy, there would be a feeling of chaos. Especially if one of them was openly attacked and, like, stabbed violently. Like, Robert, they say, was a military accident. But the king was stabbed, straight up. Attacked. And it had to be within relatively close range of the palace because he was able to get back in time to collapse on the steps. So I think that would be quite the... It just seems like such an intense, relatively... It's one of those shows where you think about the timeline to me and it's like, this is a very intense period of time for these people. The last big scene of the episode... Oh, I can't believe we're already here. Liam... Steps in to finally uh, have his his swearing in. Ophelia gets left outside as the door is closed. And they start to do like Symbolically this. left yes. outside. Mm-hmm. Is this before or after she agreed to take the dance audition? Uh, she does that in the final little wrap-up montage. Oops, sorry. Didn't mean to spoil the end of our own episode, but I couldn't remember. Every single episode of the show, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but every single episode features a wrap-up montage at the end of the episode. Just like cuts, Lost. Yeah, cuts between every <laughs> single character. It never fails. So he's preparing to kiss the book, which I guess is a real thing. I've only ever heard that as a term for drinking. No, it all sounded real to me. The The wording all sounded real. I mean, we'll have to get... I'm sure it is. Darren, because uh, our producer Darren is British, as you heard on our pilot episode. We could always check with him, but the wording of this seems so specific and so non-royals that I have to believe that it was real. Even if it's not the exact way the ceremony goes down, this seemed somewhat authentic. So just as he's about to finalize, Cyrus, at the very last possible second, barges in. It makes me think he was definitely listening at the door. Possibly Waiting with the... Yeah, he had to have been. With the timing being that perfect, like he was leaning in to kiss the St. James Bible... And then Cyrus, like, throws both the doors open very dramatically. I like to think Ophelia was still out there, like, wondering what he was doing, waiting at the door with his ear. You had one job, Ophelia, one job. And he's like, this entire procedure is completely illegitimate. You're out of order! You're out of order! This whole court's out of order! Yeah, makes a big scene in front of all these very, I'm sure, respectable people. And says, um, these children are completely illegitimate. They aren't even the king's children. <sighs> and there's a very stagey stage slap from Helena. Yeah. And there's a lot of Helena looking at Cyrus in a warning way, then looking at her children like, I yeah. can't deny it. And it's like, what? This was unbelievable to me. I mean, later on. We'll see that Helena was more in on it than initially we realized. But you have to feel like she would at least try to be like, hey, no, no, you guys, no. Or like, you know, protest to save yeah. face. But no, she's just like. She immediately, she immediately uh, 
cult, like, uh, I can't remember the word I'm looking for is, but she immediately fesses to it, I guess. Did she DNA test them when they were babies? Like, if she ha- was having an affair and got pregnant while she was married to Simon, were she and Simon, like, totally not having intercourse? Is she tracking her ovulation cycle in such a way that she knows the exact night they were conceived was she swabbing their cheeks when they were toddlers like i have so many questions so many what about robert was robert legitimate was he simon's actual son well that's irrelevant i guess to their to this particular is it oh it? it may not be okay fair enough but so far at the moment it's irrelevant i think Thematically, it's interesting, though, you know, the idea of them being half-siblings instead of siblings, Simon's one true heir being dead before him. That's kind of fucking dramatic, to say the least. And that would actually, especially that, on top of two royals being killed in less than half a year, the fact that it's the two highest-ranking ones in secession for the throne, and then the other two kids were proved illegitimate directly thereafter, people would be going nuts, like, all over the place. Yeah, especially because um, Liam especially is popular with the people. Yeah. And Cyrus is not. No. No, no, no. I mean, why would he be? No. He's, he, he's terrible to everyone he meets all the time. <laughs> and he hates, he hates the commoners. But he's like, I'm king. And everyone's like, okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> Except for Liam, who's like, mom, this is so embarrassing. And Eleanor is like, yeah, mom, deny it. Say we're your real kids. But she does it in a way it's almost like, ha ha, I'm winning because I'm proving my mom's a bitch. Whereas if I were her, I would have another crying breakdown. I'd be like, my dad is hovering between life and death and you're telling me I'm not even his kid? Like, I, I think the way that I get is like Liam has this whole speech about like, tell us it isn't true. Cyrus is a petty, jealous man, blah, blah, blah. And then it's very... I, did, I don't know. I didn't think it was very affecting. I got a lot more out of Eleanor just saying, yeah, tell us. Because it felt like <laughs> Eleanor already knew it was true when she said that. Like, yeah. she wasn't even honestly looking. She doesn't trust her mother, and she always assumes the worst of her anyway. So I kind of got that. And I could tell that she was, like, mad and frustrated. But there was also, like, a note of triumph in Eleanor's voice. I just thought it was interesting. I didn't think yeah. it was out of character. I just think it was interesting that even in what could arguably be one of the lowest moments of her life of her entire life she finds a way to like stick it to helena yeah it's i mean it's not a good moment for helena either but um or is it well the suspense on that particular front doesn't last for long (laughs) because uh during the patented um royals final montage wrap-up tm with indie music bedded underneath ophelia writes a note that she is accepting an email i guess i should say not a note (laughs) She's accepting an email. Yes. (laughs) She composes an email that she is going to be joining the repertoire company that reached out to her in New York, I believe. She accepts the invitation to audition. Just to audition. She wasn't even going to go on the audition. Ophelia, do you want to be a dancer or not? Because I'm feeling like the answer is no, you don't. she doesn't say anything about the audition in her email, I noticed, which is why it's a little confusing. It just says, I accept your offer to join the company. That's weird because, okay, whatever. Whatever. The show doesn't care about the arts. It's (laughs) fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We all know she's not a dancer. Needless to say, she's not really a dancer and also she will get it for narrative reasons. Oh, of course. So it's like, why even bother with the audition? It shows Ella, Liam and Eleanor getting a blood test, theoretically, for paternity. Then it shows uh, Ted making a startling discovery with Marcus. 
which is that there's some creepy dude who just stands at the palace gates for six hours a day, not doing anything. He sort of looks like he should be the member of like a new metal band, and this is the music video. They show like sped up security footage of everyone, like all the tourists passing by, and he's just standing there in his black hoodie. And then at a certain point, he looks up at the security camera and watches it, so he definitely knows that it's there. It's kind of an arresting image. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of the plot, no. but okay. But it's a cliffhanger to go out on to be like what's gonna happen next time with this crazy dude at the gates who we have no reason to have any interest in really but that's all right okay uh, and then the big final big final scene of the episode the one we've been kind of teasing out all episode cyrus and helena come together and cyrus is like you didn't have to slap me so hard. And Helena's like, it had to look convincing. And they toast each other. He, uh, she says to the king and he says, long live the queen or something to that effect. And it is revealed that Helena was in on the ruse the, the whole time, the whole time, assumedly to defeat the referendum before it even began. Why was she spending the entire episode blowing so much smoke up Liam's ass then? I guess she it, just want to torture him? I guess. Um, she's maybe, a sadist. Maybe she joined in on this plot halfway through when she was like, oh, Liam's not going to do what I say. Maybe she came to that realization. And I have bad news for them in, in regards to that slap. It did not look convincing. Oh, but. God, no. But how much of that is the script and how much of that is Elizabeth Hurley's acting? Oh, I'm sure that that aspect is Elizabeth Hurley's, Hurley's acting. And that leaves... One episode left in the first season. No, two. Two, 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 eight. two, two, eight. Oh, no, I'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself. I love how you said that with so much gravitas, and it's like, uh, nope. No, we'll see we you don't. for two more episodes this season, and then we're going to be plugging right along to season two. Before we get into our favorite moments of this episode, uh, I did want to make a quick announcement, kind of some exciting news for us here, and indeed for you as well, if you've been watching the show along with us. We just found out today that the Royals has been renewed for a season three, which is another way of saying that Stage of Fools has been renewed for a season three. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, and we have quite a few uh, more episodes coming down the pipe. And 22 we're... now, apparently. More oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into? But we're looking forward to unraveling the mystery, and if you have any conspiracy theories of your own, go ahead and leave them on our Facebook, where you can find us. Stage of Fools. So with that aside, my favorite time, as always, what was your favorite moment of this episode? I might give it up for Cyrus going all out and having that speech about how nice people are fools who um, uh, are just waiting for their big break and believe in love. Uh, I love it when Cyrus just uh, absolutely does not give a fuck and goes full villain. I agree. I think that was my favorite moment, too, but because I usually try to pick a different one from you, I have to go with another Cyrus moment, the line about snorting cocaine off his dick. Yeah, that's a great... Because I spent a solid two seconds 
picturing it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. involuntarily against my will, picturing it. I didn't want to. I wasn't trying to, but it happened. I got out some graph paper right then and there trying to solve <laughs> this mystery. Putting, you know, some acute angles. Mm-hmm. My protractor. I haven't yeah. used it since middle school, but this project deserved it. Well, this is pretty much par for the course. In any Cyrus heavy episode, he tends to have our favorite moments. But I regret nothing. He's fantastic. Great actor. They do their best writing for him hands down yeah very consistent character yes and eleanor gets pushed to the sidelines and she's usually his biggest competition so that about wraps it up we've really we're rushing to the end of season one now we've got a couple more episodes and then the fate of the kingdom will be revealed yeah so i guess that wraps us up for this particular episode yes it does thanks so much for listening thank you very much Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.